There we go. Acts chapter number 2 is where we're going to start this evening. And so if you would take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter number 2. This is the series that we've been talking about starting for a couple months now, and we're finally going to get into it on uh, Bible doctrine. And the, the title of the series is Continue in Doctrine, kind of tying in with our theme for the year. And uh, we're going to also look here at uh, Acts chapter 2, and you'll see what I mean by continuing in doctrine. Acts chapter 2, in verse number 41, after Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says this in verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And if you kind of do a little bit of the study here, it was, um, and, I, and I've brought this up a couple times, but there was about 120 people in, the, in, the, in this little assembly. And uh, in one day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So it went from 120 to about 3,120. And uh, if you put that in perspective, um, here at Cornerstone Baptist Church on a given Sunday, we're right around... Uh, 120. Now, last Sunday was not the case, uh, but uh, most Sundays in recent weeks, uh, we've been in that neck of the woods, and uh, can you imagine going from that to 3,000 more people joining us in one Sunday? Uh, that would be a little mind-blowing. Well, that's what happened there, and so here's what they decided to do, though, in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles, and what's the first word there after that? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And then it also says in verse 46, they continued daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with, with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. So, the first thing that this uh, new crop of believers that were added to this 120-member uh, assembly, uh, one of the first things they focused in on was learning doctrine. Doctrine is absolutely vital. And uh, this, in this series, we're going to actually get into what those doctrines are and what the Word of God teaches about um, the Bible itself. Uh, that's going to be the first one we're going to look at, uh, not tonight necessarily, but uh, when we get into the actual doctrines, bibliology is going to be the first one we're going to look at because this is the foundation. Um, God reveals himself in his word, and uh, this is what we need to understand. Uh, and then we're going to look at theology, the, the doctrine of God. We're going to look at Christology, the doctrine of Christ, pneumatology, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about um, salvation and what the Bible says about that. And, and I know that a lot of this is going to be review for most of us tonight, but that's okay. We need to be grounded in the truth. Uh, we, and, and especially as time uh, continues to go on and our world becomes more crazy, we need to be firm on what the Word of God teaches. Doctrine is an absolutely vital uh, part of our study. Um, why? Because belief many times determines our behavior. So what we believe determines how we behave. 
And that is such the case when it comes to the truth of God's word. Um, now, I realize that a lot of Christians like practical preaching. Uh, I like practical preaching where it's like, hey, uh, you know, tell me, tell me how to apply this truth to my life. And, and certainly that's uh, what we're going to be trying to do a little bit with, uh, in going through this series. But um, by and large, this is going to be saying this is what the Bible says about, and, and we'll, we'll fill in the blank. This is what the Bible says about that, and this is the truth. And uh, remember what Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall ma make you free, I think is the King James Version of that. Um, the truth shall make you free. Um, but we're, we have the freedom because we know truth. And so truth is absolutely vital for us to focus in on, and uh, this is not just a, you know, an unnecessary exercise. This is an absolutely important um, series to cover in our church. Um, now, as you look at some of the epistles, uh, or a lot of the epistles that Paul wrote, uh, most of them are doctrinally focused first, and then the focus changes from doctrine to duty, to the practical outliving of the uh, doctrinal truth that he just got done laying out in the first part. Romans is an excellent example of that. The first uh, eight chapters are really all doctrinal chapters. Uh, verse, chapters 9 and nine through 11 are, are national, like how God deals with Israel versus uh, Gentiles. Um, so really, the first 11 chapters of the 16-chapter book of Romans is all doctrinal. And then really, when you break it down, uh, chapters 12 through chapter number 14 are really the practical aspects of that book. 15 tells him, tells everybody what he's going to do and his ministry. And then 16 is more of a greeting to a bunch of friends and coworkers in the ministry. So there's not a lot of practical compared to the doctrinal aspect in the book of Romans, Okay. Uh, you look at the book of Ephesians, same thing. We, get, we know Ephesians to be um, where Paul goes and talks about marriage and the family and, and uh, the work life and, and all of that, and, and then the armor of God. And, and Well, we, we first have Ephesians 1, which talks about who we are in Christ, and then chapter 2 tells us really the process of salvation. We're not saved by works, but we're saved uh, by grace through faith, and he goes in and talks about that first, and then he gets into the practical aspect. So Paul really, uh, for the most part, dealt with doctrine first, and then as a result of the doctrinal foundation, then we can actually focus in on the practical aspects of the Christian life. Uh, but we don't just go right into the practical without having understanding of doctrinal truth. Okay, and so that's what we're uh, going to be doing tonight and uh, starting in, in, in this series. We're going to be focusing on doctrinal truth. And obviously, along the way, you know, it'll be obvious what the Lord wants us to be doing in light of what we just learned. Uh, see, and so uh, with that, um, I just want to kind of give you some introductory thoughts here regarding doctrine. Uh, the word doctrine simply means teaching. 
That's what the word doctrine means. And in a nutshell, Bible doctrine refers to the teaching of the scriptures. And it refers to any and all teaching of the scriptures. But in in, in this series, we're going to focus on some of the more uh, major, prominent Bible doctrines. Um, Right doctrine is called the counsel of God in the scriptures. In Acts chapter 20, um, and if you're taking notes tonight and you're writing references down, I'll give you a little heads up, a little warning. There's going to be a lot of references that I'm going to throw out tonight. So hopefully you've got plenty of ink in your pen there or your pencil is very sharp tonight. Uh, But Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 27 says this, Uh, Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He said, I I shared with you the whole uh, counsel of God. I have given you right doctrine. Um, It's called the doctrine which ye have learned in uh, Romans 16, 17. And I'm going to turn over there very quickly here. It says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Uh, But the the whole counsel of God, the right doctrine is called the counsel of God, the doctrine which ye have learned. It's called good doctrine. It's called sound doctrine. It's called wholesome words. The doctrine which is according to godliness. It's called uncorrupt doctrine. And the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And uh, this is what we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, doctrine. Now, uh, on your outline here, let's look at number one tonight, the priority of sound doctrine. The priority of sound doctrine. And going back to, uh, going back to Acts chapter number two, let me go back to Acts chapter num- number two here. Acts chapter number two and verse forty. Two, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, I know a lot of Baptists would think, hey, what's the most important thing to focus on? Breaking of bread, brother. Amen. We've got to break some bread. We've got to eat. We're Baptists. I mean, the Baptists, the first, the first uh, um, distinctive, the first Baptist distinctive is the letter B, buffets. A, appetite. P, potlucks, you know, and uh, that's, we're, we're Baptists, you know, we like to eat here, um, and, uh, and I would say amen to that, but that's not what's listed first, okay, in Acts chapter number 2 and verse 42, is it? The first thing that's mentioned is doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, learning truth, and then as a result of that truth, then they were able then to have fellowship, proper fellowship was based on agreeing on truth. Now, can we have fellowship with somebody who does not agree with us? I mean, my wife and I uh, have fellowship, and we don't always agree with each other, okay? Um, yes, but uh, the, the, the sweetest fellowship is when there is a like-minded spirit and a kindred heart regarding the truth of the Word of God. Uh, we might disagree on what the, uh, the greatest sport of all time is. Uh, you might think it is something other than hockey. Um, I love you in the Lord, and we can still fellowship probably. Uh, but no, because uh, that, that's, not, that's not biblical, okay? Although I like to try to make a case for it at, at sometimes, but it's very hard to, okay? 
seriously, it's not, it's not a biblical issue, so we can have fellowship. Um, as long as we're in agreement with what the scriptures say, then we can enjoy fellowship because we have the most important thing in common, and that is the Lord, and that is uh, the relationship with God. So doctrine is listed here first, and then we can enjoy the other aspects, fellowship, breaking of bread, and, and prayers together because we're unified regarding or around doctrinal truth. Okay, if you would turn back to John 17, if you would, please. So just a few pages uh, to the left. John 17, and this is Jesus' high priestly prayer uh, right before uh, he went into the garden or on his way to the garden. He perhaps stopped and had this prayer that uh, somehow John uh, got record of this. Verse number 21, look there. We mentioned unity um, needs to be around truth. Okay, verse 21 says that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now, the unity he's talking about is more, more than just us all being unified with one another. We're t he's talking about us being unified with him. But, but before he goes into verse 21, this is going to shock you. You're going to learn something tonight. Verse 17 comes before verse 21. You're welcome. I know, yes. I have a degree on the wall and everything, and that's, that's why I know that. No, obviously that's a, a simple thought, but, but, but notice what he says in verse number 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So before he gets into unity, there's the emphasis on truth and doctrine. And so again, uh, why don't we as a church yoke up with every other church in this area? I'm not against other churches who don't believe like we do. Um, I mean, we, we hold to what we believe to and what we believe and we, we're going to hold to that. It's not that I'm not going to be gracious to them, and, and, but at the same time, we're not going to say, well, yeah, let's just, you know, the Catholic Church and the Methodist Church and the Church of Christ, let's all just get together and do one big faith outreach. No, um, because we don't, we don't have, we don't believe the same when it comes to truth. We don't. Um, and you, we're going to be kind and gracious, but... We're, we're also not going to be unified in that way, um, the way that uh, a lot of people want to be unified. Back in the, uh, in the late 1990s, um, there was the Promise Keeper uh, movement, and some of you may remember that, where it was just all these different churches coming together, and hey, and, and it was for a good cause, but, but they were having to hold hands with one another and uh, basically say, look, those doctrinal differences that we have between each, be, between each other are, are not that important. We just need to break down those walls and let's just hold hands so that we can be a unified group and uh, reach all the men. Again, not, a bad, not a bad intentions, but when, when you say we're going to say, well, I believe that you're saved by faith through, or grace through faith, only, and you believe, this guy believes that, no, 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 you have to um, take the sacraments, and you have to uh, 
um, work and pray to Mary. That's what you need to do. And the other guy says, I don't believe any of that, but I do believe you have to be baptized in order to be saved. And we're saying that those things aren't important. Friend, those are very important. And uh, we can't just say that, eh, no big deal. Um, Again, not to say that I'm going to be rude and mean and obnoxious to these others, but I'm also not going to hold hands as a church and say, well, we'll have you come up and and, uh, pray for our services. No, no, we're not going to do that. Um, So, and and again, I'm I'm not trying to be mean here, but I am trying to be uh, faithful to the word of God. Okay, Uh, now go to one more, one more little passage here. There's a couple others that we could look at, but tonight just just these three. Um, And by the way, I don't think we're going to finish the whole message tonight. If you were wondering, you're like, man, we haven't even gotten any 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 of the bonus points yet. (laughs) Uh, Don't worry. I I realize that. I just want to give us a little bit of a foundation. Okay, so James chapter three is where we're going. James chapter three. James chapter 3, and uh, of course, James chapter 3 is the powerful passage that talks about the tongue and the importance of using our tongues to um, bless God and bless others, men, which are made after the similitude of God, and to not curse men who are made after the similitude of God, all right? But then he goes and talks about wisdom at the end of this chapter, and he says in, in, in verse number 13, he says, Who is a wise man and do with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth, because this wisdom descendeth not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But then notice verse 17 here. But the wisdom that is from above... So here James compares the wisdom that's from the pit of hell uh, versus the wisdom that's from the Lord. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. And notice the order there, first pure. So there's a purity, there's a, um, and, and, we can, and we can apply this here when it comes to truth. Uh, first pure, then we can be peaceable with one another when we're in agreement with the truth, okay? And, uh, and again, it's not to say that you can't, I mean, there's a lot of unsaved people that I'm nice to, okay? Uh, we ought to be nice and kind. We're to be the light of the world and salt of the earth. We're to be kind and gracious. People ought to look at us and say, man, why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? But when it comes to real, true fellowship, it, it can't just be about, the weather. It can't just be about sports. It can't just be about the uh, the workplace that we maybe you're a coworker. Um, the real close fellowship needs to be based around truth. So first pure, then then peaceable. All right. That's that's the uh, that's the priority. Um, now, if you go to Second Timothy chapter number three, I want to show you this verse. Second Timothy in chapter number three. And this verse is describing the word of God. Jesus said that sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. But then if you go to 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God 
and it's profitable for, what's the first thing it's profitable for? Doctrine. And that is telling us what is right. So God gave us the word of God to tell us the truth, to, to help us to understand truth in doctrine. So the first purpose of Scripture is doctrine. The Bible uh, exalts doctrine in a great way. Um, these words that God uses in His Word to talk about doctrine, the, the Greek words that are translated doctrine and, and the, the words that are translated teach, which deals with doctrine, uh, these words are used more than 140 times in the New Testament, which shows how important doctrine is before the Lord. Doctrine and its companion terms are referred to 59 times in First and Second Timothy alone. Now, those are the pastoral part of the pastoral epistles that Paul wrote to Timothy to instruct him in the ministry, and he said, "You've got to teach truth. Don't just preach whatever is going on around you. You've got to preach truth. Get people back to the book." And so, again, I, I try to balance it. I know that there are some things I need to address that are going on in the world. Uh, I think of uh, a message that I preached uh, a few months ago on uh, what, what, what does God think about the, the vaccine, if you remember that fun. That was a really good attendance that night. We should, I should preach that again one of these days. Uh, but I, I know that some things like that need to be addressed and, and need to be dealt with. Uh, but... But by and large, we need to just make sure that we're staying faithful to the book and getting back to the book because um, this is important for us. The Word of God and, and our familiarity with it, and when we're people of the book who know the book, we're going to be able to navigate through the craziness that this world is going through a lot better than if we don't know the book and we just hear a message on it. We, we need to have... Uh, a good understanding of doctrinal truth. The Apostle John said this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in fellowship. That's not what he said. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in potlucks. That's not what he said either, okay? Uh, he said, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth, which refers to doctrinal uh, truth in the Word of God. So you and I need to be walking in truth, okay? So here's, here's a couple thoughts about the importance of and the priority of doctrine, sound doctrine in our life. So sound doctrine, first of all, is necessary to be saved. Um, it's necessary to be saved. You can't, you can't be saved without having an understanding. Now, you don't have to have the full understanding of, Bible, of the Bible from cover to cover, okay? Because no one here, even though we're saved, has that type of knowledge. But you have to have a basic understanding of the truth, the sound doctrine of the gospel. Um, in Romans 6, 17, he says, "Ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. And this refers to the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of the gospel. The sinner must know the true gospel in order to be saved, and he must obey it from the heart. And so, uh, we've got to know the truth, and again, that's the truth that makes us free. Um, we've got to know the truth, and you know, can, do you have to have you know a Bible college de degree to be saved? No, you don't. 
I can knock on your door and you not know anything about the Bible and I can take some time and explain some truth from the Word of God and you can come to that knowledge. Um, but you have to have the right gospel truth presented to you in order to be saved. So sound doctrine is necessary to be saved. Letter B, uh, sound doctrine is necessary to have the right world view. And I uh, alluded to this a moment ago. This is simply the right thinking about life. Knowing Bible doctrine gives the right view of God, the right view of where we came from, the right view of the universe, the earth, man, sin, salvation, sanctification, spiritual warfare, spiritual victory. It gives the right view on marriage, the husband-wife relationship, uh, parenting, uh, what the Bible says about divorce, uh, what the Bible says about the past and the present and the future, what the Bible says about aging, death, heaven, hell, angels, the devil, demons, what the Bible says about Israel, the church, God's will, God's calling, spiritual gifts, redeeming the time, tribulation period, prayer, and a thousand other things. See, the better we rightly know the teaching of the whole Bible, the sharper one's worldview will be. So, Getting into the Bible and understanding these doctrinal truths will help us, again, to be able to navigate the craziness that is going on around us. And, uh, you know, Fox News and, and uh, you know, and, and other news outlets and their, and their anchors, while I'm thankful for what they do, they are doing it for money. <laughs> and uh, we need to make sure that we're, getting, we're filtering everything through this book here, not through somebody else's opinion. And, you know, I'm not to say that I don't ever watch anything, you know, that Tucker Carlson says or Ben Shapiro or others of the like. Um, but, again, this needs to be the filter in which we view the things, not somebody else's opinion. So we need to be people of the book, not people who are just caught up on all the news and all the happenings and all that. We need to be people of the book. Sound doctrine is necessary to have the right worldview. Next, sound doctrine is necessary to... Mature believers unto all good works. Second Timothy 3, are you still there? I am. Second Timothy 3 and verse 16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. Does that mean he's never going to sin? No. The word perfect, when you find that in the scriptures, uh, typically is referring to uh, maturity. Uh, as time goes on, we are being perfected. It's not that we're going to reach that, that level of perfectness until we get our glorified body and see the Lord, uh, but we're being perfected, and, and, and the Word of God is given to us that uh, we may be perfected and perfect, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So it's, it's not just so that we would... Uh, internalize it and just keep it to ourselves, but that we would go and use that to bless others and to uh, serve the Lord and not just sit there on, on a sofa one day. I remember uh, this, just, this just hit me right now. I was out door knocking when I was in California with my, uh, the staff went out on, uh, I think, uh, one of the days, I don't remember which day of the week it was, and we were door knocking and I knocked on the door of this guy and he finally came to the door and opened the door, and he said, uh, hey, what can I do for you? And I said, ah, I'm Eric from 
I almost said Cornerstone Baptist Church. No, it was Liberty Baptist Church uh, over in Newport Beach. And we're just inviting folks out and wanted to invite you and your family to be our guest. He said, yeah, oh, that's nice. I'm glad you're doing that. But I'm over here studying my Bible. And I'm like, great. That's good. And, and he went on to uh, talk about how much he studies. And, 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 at, and, and I'm gr- grateful for that. We're going to get into that in this lesson, uh, in this message here in a little while, probably next week. Uh, but he said, uh, he said, yeah, I don't have time to be doing what you're doing because I'm too focused on studying. I was like, well, I mean, I'm glad you're studying, but at some point, you know, this isn't just so that we would get a bigger head. And, you know, the Bible says knowledge puffeth up. And it, it seemed like that was happening in this, in this gentleman's life. You know, he was getting a lot of knowledge, but it was just so that he can be uh, puffed up about it. See, knowledge isn't just so that we would say how much we know. Uh, knowing doctrine is not just so we can go and flex our spiritual brain muscles, but so that we could be a blessing and God could use us to minister to others. Uh, that's why we uh, need to know the Word of God. Not Yes, so that it benefits us, but that it benefits others too through us. Okay, so sound doctrine is necessary for that. I'm going to see if I can't get just through this first point here. <laughs> well. We'll call it a night. Uh, fourthly here, sound doctrine is necessary in order to earnestly contend for the faith. When Jude wrote his epistle, he really wanted to write to them about much more positive things. He was like, hey, I wanted to, wanted to write with joy, talk about the blessing of salvation. Isn't it great to know the Lord? Isn't it great to know that we're going to go spend eternity um, with the Lord forever in heaven, isn't it great that we've been forgiven of our sins? That's what he wanted to write about. But he said, I couldn't. It was needful for me, he said, that I should write unto you that you would earnestly contend for the faith. And he goes on and talks about all the apostasy that uh, was happening in those days. And if it was happening in those days in the first century, how much more is it happening now? And so he Describe the importance of earnestly contending for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Uh, the, the, the Greek word that's translated earnestly contend is, um, I'm going to see if I can pronounce it because you'll, you'll kind of, um, you'll see what it means here. It says, epagonizomia. Okay. But there's the word agonize in that little word there little word, 50 cent Greek word there, which means to contend about a thing as a combatant. It is, um, it, it was used to describe the contenders in the Greek games. So back in the original, you know, before we get to the Olympics, those Greek games where it all kind of stemmed from, the Olympics did, those who were contending in there, um, this is where the, the, those words um, came from. The, the word earnestly is added to convey the intensive force of the preposition. It is impossible to contend for the faith without a good knowledge of sound doctrine. How are you going to defend and contend for something you don't even know? You don't even know what and you don't know why. It's going to be very difficult uh, for you to contend in that way. So the defense of the faith is not to be a half, half-hearted thing. It is to be done with all diligence and with earnestness. Every preacher, that's me, 
and every child of God, that's all of us, should be set for the defense of the faith, a soldier in the battle of truth, a fighter of the good fight. This requires study and preparation and willingness to engage error. Um, the earnest contention of the faith should be a major emphasis of every preacher's training institute. And uh, I've learned it a little bit in Bible college, but throughout my ministry I've been learning uh, this. And, uh, and I think that there could come a time where there really needs to be a contending for the faith and a willingness to stand alone, a willingness to say, you know what, I, I, I don't want to be mean or rude here. I don't want to be obnoxious about it, but I, I can't hold hands with someone who doesn't believe the truth here. Um, so sound doctrine is necessary to, in order to earnestly contend for the faith. Fifthly here, sound doctrine is necessary in order to separate from false doctrine. And this goes a little bit along with that. And to be protected from false teachers. God's people are commanded to, uh, in Romans 16, 17, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. This is not one of the more popular things to think about in a church, to mark somebody who's, it says this, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. So uh, those who are causing division in the church, they need to be marked. I don't ever want to be marked. <laughs> and uh, I hope you don't either. I don't think anybody does. But, but also, when there's an offense contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, if somebody comes in and, you know, starts talking to somebody else in the church about uh, things that we don't believe and that are not biblical at all and, and are trying to sway them to their particular uh, bent and their take on a certain doctrine, and, and it's, it's, you know, what basically the way I would do it is go to them and say, brother, you, you can't, you know, you're, you're entitled to your own beliefs, and, and I'm not trying to change your mind here, but that's not what our church believes. And I would just ask while you're here to not start spreading that, not try to get other people on your side. And then if it continues, then I maybe bring someone else with me and we have another conversation and say, brother, I've told you to stop that. You keep doing it. We're going to ask you to stop one more time. Otherwise, I'm going to have to mark you from the pulpit. I'm going to say, Cornerstone Baptist Church, so-and-so has been spreading heresy in our church family, and I want you to avoid them, and I will name them from the pulpit. Do I ever want to do that? No way, not on your life. That's the last thing I want to have to do. But that's what God's word says to do if it comes up in this church. Well, how are we going to know that they're teaching something the contrary? Well, we better have a better, good understanding of sound doctrine. Again, this is not fun to do, but, uh, but this is why having doctrinal understanding is so important in a church. Okay, uh, letter F, last thought here. Um, sound doctrine is necessary to please Christ as individuals, but as a church family. And we'll, we'll end with this. Um, you remember those, how many, uh, so... Jesus addressed some churches in the book of Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3. Does anybody remember how many churches 
he, he addressed in that. Seven. Seven churches. And, and nowhere does he chide them for being small. Uh, you just, you were too small and you weren't able to really reach out. Shame on you. That, now, certainly God does want us to be reaching out and, and growing numerically as the Lord wills. But that's not, he never mentions size as a factor in any of the letters that he brought up. In fact, if you make a case, the church at Laodicea, the last one he addressed, probably was the largest of the bunch because they said they had need of nothing. You know, we've got the, we've got the buildings, we've got the bucks, and we've got the bodies. We have need of nothing. We're large enough. And so, uh, and then Jesus is like, well, the thing is, is you have need of nothing. Actually, you, in your thought process, have forgotten something pretty important. You've forgotten the Lord himself. But one thing that he mentions in just about every one of those letters is the importance of holding to doctrinal truth, being faithful to the doctrine. Um, I'm gonna, in fact, let's go ahead and turn over there real quick. This is the last, uh, last little thought here, and then we'll, we'll go to prayer requests here. But uh, Revelation chapter number 2, in uh, the church at Ephesus here, he says in verse number 2, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And then verse number six, he says, But this thou hast, thou hast hatest the deeds of the uh, Nicolaitans, uh, not Nicolodians, just in case you're wondering, um, but the Nicolaitans, um, which, which I also hate. So he, he commends them for their stand for doctrinal truth. And their faithfulness in that way, they had left their first love, sadly, in verse number four and five. But, uh, but he, he commends them for their stand and, and faithfulness to the, to the doctrinal truth. Uh, verse number uh, eight, here the church at Smyrna. Um, verse number nine, I know thy works in tribulation and poverty. This was a chore, probably a small little church uh, that was very poor. But in God's mind, he says, but thou art rich. He says, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of, of Satan. Fear none of those things. And uh, he, he, he's kind of warning them, though, uh, that they're there and letting them know that uh, don't, don't fear them, but, uh, but be careful. Um, and then the ver um, verse number 12, the church at Pergamos, and I won't go through all these churches here, but it says, I know thy works, where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is, and holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith. Even in those days, where an Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Uh, but I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. And then verse 15, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. So you can see here there's an emphasis in these letters regarding doctrine. And when it comes down to it, I mean, obviously the size of our church, um, how big our buildings are, I mean, that's up to the Lord. And we'll just trust him with all of that. 
Our job is to be faithful to the doctrine of Christ. And in these letters, too, we see that there was, uh, we also need to be faithful to the devotion to Christ. Um, Remember the church at Ephesus, the flagship church, somewhere along the line, they had left their first love. They were just going through the motions. And uh, we need to make sure that we stay in love with God. And then we also need to continue to be faithful to depend on Christ as well, unlike the church at Laodicea who thought, we don't need you anymore, Lord. We have arrived. Um, well, we haven't. Uh, we continue. We need to continue to recognize the need for Jesus in our church. So um, there we go. We'll we'll end there, and uh, we'll pick it up here uh, next week. Um, but uh, we're going to start after we finish this message. We'll start actually diving into some of these doctrines, um, starting with bibliology. What um, what, what the Bible says about itself and uh, the importance of the Bible as the foundation for all that we believe. Well, let's pray, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll move on to some prayer requests. Lord, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word, um, that it is truth, and that we can trust every single word of it. And uh, Lord, there's not, a, there's not a part of your word that is a little sketchy when it comes to trustworthiness. Lord, every aspect is completely pure and right. And Lord, I pray you would help us to be students of the book, not just me as the pastor, though, yes, please help me, but but also our church family. Lord, may you help us all be grounded in the truth. Help us, Lord, to to have deep roots um, that no amount of wind would, would cause us to falter. And Lord, I ask that um, you would help us, Lord, to be faithful as a church family to the scriptures. Um, Help us to be faithful to our devotion to you as well. Help us, Lord, to stay in love with you and not just go through the motions and have another Easter service and have another anniversary and have another service. But Lord, help us to go into each um, event and each day, Lord, fresh and in love with you. And then I pray that you would help us to continue to depend upon you and not ever get like the Laodiceans who thought they had need of nothing. Lord, may we continually recognize our need for you. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would just uh, bless um, each one of um, our church family. Help us, Lord, to grow in this area of doctrine. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right.